All right, so let's jump into our teaching time this morning. Last week, we started our message, Jesus in Genesis. This is our, our current series. We talked about Noah last week and how he foreshadowed Jesus in so many ways. And today, I'm going to talk about Melchizedek and uh, a very obscure Bible character in the book of Genesis. But I think you'll agree, at least by the end of this, that Melchizedek is a pretty cool guy. And I'm excited to share this with you. You, you like Melchizedek? All right, good. You and me together, man. Uh, let, me, let me share a story with you that I, I think is kind of a cool illustration of what we're going to see today. My wife over the years has shared a story that's kind of a touch point in her childhood. She's shared this story with me a number of times. She was about eight years old, and she and one of her girlfriends were riding their bicycles in the Los Angeles area where they lived. And those of you that are our age and older, you'll remember those bicycles in the 70s with the long banana seats. You remember those bicycles? And that was the kind of bike that Chris was, was riding. And her girlfriend was on the back of the bike. So, you know, Chris is kind of a silly person, always has been. So I can imagine these girls riding this bike and kind of getting a little carried away. Next thing you know, they'd crash the bike they're laying on the ground. And uh, Chris will tell you that the next thing she remembers is that there was this man that came up, and in Los Angeles in the 70s, that might have been scary in and of itself, but she said she has this vivid memory of this guy. He was riding an orange 10 speed, and he had a red flannel shirt on, and he came and he checked to make sure the girls were okay and helped him get back on the bicycles, and then he said something very unusual to these two girls. He said, girls, I want you to always remember Honor your father and mother, and it will go well with you in your life. And these girls thought, well, that's, that's a little weird. They kind of looked at each other, and, and, uh, and they got back on their bikes. They were about to take off, and the two of them turned to say goodbye to this man who helped him, and he had just vanished. He was just gone. And these two girls, even into adulthood, whenever they would talk, they would say, I, I think that guy was an angel. I mean, the, it was like a spiritual experience that they had that day in L.A. And uh, Chris has said that that was a touchstone in her life. She's always felt compelled to honor her father and mother. And to this day, she takes really good care of her mom and dad. And she'll tell you her life has been blessed. And, and, and that was a moment where she heard from Jesus. Now, she thinks it was an angel. Her girlfriend thought it was an angel. I want to ask you this morning, have you ever had an experience like that that just felt spiritual, that you just had those experiences where you encountered somebody and you, it was beyond just human? Anybody? Okay, some of, you, some of you are saying yes. And I want to ask you the question this morning, is it possible that that guy on the orange 10 speed, maybe he was Jesus coming to just bless these little girls? Is that possible. And this is what we're going to see today in uh, the book of Genesis, chapter 14, in the life of Abram, when he has one of these encounters that is just so unusual and definitely spiritual. So let me set the story up for you. Abram was living in a region called Hebron. And I've got a map for you here so you can kind of see that down here in the southern part of this map is a region called Hebron. I don't know exactly where Abram was living, but it was somewhere in that neighborhood. And while he was living in, in Hebron, a war broke out in the valley to the south of where Abram lived. And this, this war was between four kings from Mesopotamia. One was the Babylonian king. Go back 
to the previous one, please. These four Mesopotamian kings came and they attacked the Jordanian kings that were living down here. These would have been kings of cities. And it was four kings against five kings, but what happened is they just utterly wiped out the southern kings. The Mesopotamian kings overwhelmed them. This is all at the beginning of Genesis chapter 14. You can check my work to see if I'm on track, all right? Wiped these guys out, and then they went in and they sacked the cities took all the spoils of war, and now, next slide, Shane, please, and then they trounced through the country to the north, taking all of their, all of their spoil, which included people that they had captured to be slaves, and they were taking them all back into the northern countries of Mesopotamia to be slaves. And that's where we're going to pick up this story in Genesis 14, uh, and I'm going to start reading at verse 14. It's up here on the screen for you if you want to follow along. Here's what we read. When Abram heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into his household. You see, Lot was living down here in a city called Sodom, and that city comes into play later in Genesis. But Lot was living there, and as a result of the war, Lot and his household were taken into slavery. So Abram, with his 318 guys goes after the four kings from Mesopotamia that had just wiped out five armies, okay? Abram had a little bit of chutzpah, if you know what I mean, right? He goes after them. Verse 16, Abram recovered all of the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and the other captives. So Abram has this huge military victory, and then this Weird encounter in verse 18. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, And blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. And then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods that he had recovered. Now I want you to understand this morning, this encounter between Abram and Melchizedek is strange on many levels. This guy, Melchizedek, in fact, I'm just going to make it easy for all of us. We're just going to call him Mel from here on out, okay? Mel just seems to come out of nowhere. The story is going along. It's an interesting story. And then, bam, Mel appears. And and it's strange because of a number of reasons. I want you to think this through with me. First of all, Abram was the father of the nation of Israel. He was the first one. But at this point in his life, he had no children. There was no nation Israel. It was just Abram. There was no temple. There were no priests. There were no Ten Commandments. There's no Jewish law. In fact, before this, the, the habit of tithing 10% had never been mentioned in the Bible before. It just comes out of Nowhere, and it's weird. But here's Mel, and we learned some interesting things about him from this story. So I've made a list for you. It's in your notes. It's up here on the screen. We know these things about him. First of all, we know that he's the king of Salem. And this is interesting because Salem 
was the primitive city that's now called Jerusalem, Jerusalem. So there's a, a, a history there, right? He was the priest of God Most High before there was a temple or a tabernacle or priests of any kind. He brought to Abram bread and wine long before there was communion. He gave a blessing, beautiful blessing. It was prophetic in many ways. And then he received the tithe from Abram before tithing even existed. So if you think this through with me, do you know what I see? I see that Melchizedek reminds me a lot of Jesus. Reminds me a lot of Jesus. Just dropping in and blessing. This story has intrigued Bible readers for centuries, though, for another reason. The book of Genesis is cool because there's genealogies, there's stories, there's characters, and you see everybody making appearances and coming back later. Everybody in Genesis just seems to be connected all over the place. Except not Mel. This is the only place we see Mel. We don't read about anything before him. We don't read anything about him afterwards. He just appears in this story. He does his thing, and then he's gone. But he really reminds me of Jesus. Now, we get more information about Mel from a book in the Bible that was written more than 2,000 years later. Genesis, of course, you probably know, is the first book in, in the Bible. And we read about Melchizedek again in the book of Hebrews, almost at the end of your Bible. At this point, Jesus has already come. He's been crucified. He's been buried. He rose from the dead. He's ascended into heaven. And now, years, years later, the book of Hebrews is written. And the writer of this book picks up Melchizedek, tells his story, and gives us a little more information. And this is fascinating to me. Look at this. Hebrews 7 says, Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God most high. And when Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. We already know all of that information. But then verse 2 gives us a little bit, new stuff, a little bit of new stuff. Abraham took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. And then look at this. The name Melchizedek means king of justice. That's what his name means. And king of Salem means king of peace. So I'm going to add these things to our list. Melchizedek is the king of justice because that's what his name means. And king of Salem means the king of peace. In fact, Jerusalem to this day is known as the city of Shalom, peace. Salem is Shalom. It's the city of peace. And then verse 3 of Hebrews 7 says this. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever resembling the Son of God. So if you're taking notes, you can write this last thing into the list. He's got no beginning or end. 
In fact, if you just want to write in one further thing there in your list, he's a priest forever. Now, this last piece of information is critical. And I want you to think this through with me. It says he has no beginning or end. There's no record of a father or mother. He remains a priest forever. And this can't be true of any human being. Are you with me? This can't be true of any human being. People are not eternal. Every human being has a birth date and a death date. But Hebrews tells us that Melchizedek is a priest forever. So who is Mel? Well, it turns out he's Jesus. Last week, we talked about how Noah foreshadowed Jesus in many ways. But today, what I want you to see is that Melchizedek is actually more than a foreshadowing. It turns out he is Jesus. And theologians call this a Christophany. A Christophany. Some of you are looking at me with your eyes crossed. I'm I'm bending your brain a little bit, right? Okay, and you're thinking, what kind of crazy cult am I in here? Okay, Uh, uh, this isn't crazy. This is a real thing. Theologians call this a Christophany. It's times in history in which Jesus has appeared in human form. And this might be a little hard to comprehend because we think of Jesus in human terms. At Christmas time, we celebrate his birth. At Easter, we celebrate his death and his resurrection. He has a beginning and an end. But the Bible tells us that wasn't the beginning and that wasn't the end. Jesus is eternal, right? Jesus was present at the moment of creation. When God spoke everything into creation, Jesus was there. In fact, it says that Jesus is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus is not confined by time or space. He is eternal, and so we see him showing up every once in a while when you don't expect him to show up. This is what Jesus does. He blesses. He brings the bread and the wine. He heals. He restores. And it's just really cool to see Jesus doing that throughout the Bible story and in our lives today. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus showing up unexpectedly. John chapter 4 tells the story of a woman from Samaria who came to a well, and she came to draw water, and she encountered this Jewish man. She didn't know who who he was. They began having a conversation. Eventually, they started talking about who the Messiah is and when he was going to come, and they're having this little banter, and all of a sudden, she realizes she's talking to the Messiah. Turns out it's Jesus. The same thing happened to Saul on the road to Damascus. Jesus has already ascended into heaven after the crucifixion. He's gone from this earth. And Saul, who's a Jewish Pharisee, is running around persecuting Christians. He's arresting them. Some of them he had put to death. He's a violent man. He's a a religious zealot. And he's on his way to Damascus to do more of the same. He's got letters authorizing him to arrest Christians. And on the road to Damascus, 
this brilliant light shone out and it was so strong, it was so violent that it knocked him to the ground. And Saul cried out, Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? The Bible tells us really clearly, turns out it's Jesus. Unexpected, not supposed to be there, but Jesus isn't confined by time and space. He shows up and he's there. Paul's life, Saul's life, he later became Paul, never the same. 180, complete change. And this is what Jesus does. This is a Christophany. Have you ever had an experience in your life where Jesus just showed up unexpectedly? A bunch of you raised your hands earlier. I wish we could just go around and have you tell stories. I mean, the stories in this room are amazing. And this is what Jesus did. Let me just share a few stories that I, I've just gathered in the last couple of weeks. I'll tell you about Montana Olson. Her parents attend church here at Connect. And uh, a few weeks ago, she was on a trip to California to check out uh, a college in San Diego. And as she was driving through Utah, she had car problems, and she was stopped because she had to get her car repaired. And she was hung up. It was inconvenient. Her mom was worried. We were praying. And, and you know, she's just, a, she's just a kid on this long road trip, and, and everybody's worried. But when she finally got back on the road, she was about to cross the California border, and she runs into a huge accident that occurred about the time she should have been traveling through that section of road. Is it possible that that was Jesus interrupting her trip so that she wouldn't be involved in that accident? I kind of think it was, because this is what Jesus does. He shows up unexpectedly. He blesses. He brings bread and wine. He heals. He restores. Let me tell you about Claudia Gettle. She was here in, in first service. And uh, Claudia is a senior citizen, and uh, Chris and I love Claudia. She's just one of our favorite people. She's a little wackadoo, but, you know, we overlook that a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And I ran into Claudia on Friday, and we were, we were having a conversation. Uh, we, we were sitting down and, and just, just talking, and she said, Pastor Russ, I have to tell you, I fell this week. And you know, any time a senior citizen has a fall, you worry a little bit because bones are brittle, and, and Claudia's had some health problems, and when she told me she fell, I was just worried. And she said, Russ, I, I just have to tell you, I've never had an experience like this. She said, I live in the grace and the favor of the Lord, and this is what happened. I slipped on the ice, and when my feet went out from under me, I felt these two arms catch me. Now, I said Claudia's a little wackadoo, but let me tell you, she was, she was dead serious. She said, I've fallen before. This has never happened to me. And she said, the, the arms didn't catch me from behind like this. The arms were on my sides. One arm was under my hips. One arm was under my shoulders. And the arms just set me down on the cement. And she got up and walked away. Isn't that awesome? This is what Jesus does, right? And... and I, I mean, I think, I think it's Jesus. I just, I just think it's Jesus. Jeff Nichols. I saw Jeff. Where are you at, Jeff? Jeff's right back there. Thank you for teaching last week, Jeff. Jeff did a great job. Jeff has shared this story with you, some of the parts 
uh, in weeks past, but um, this is powerful illustration of, of this principle. When Jeff was 21, he was a brand new Christian, and he had a coworker who was trying to convince him to join a cult um, that, that uh, this coworker was telling him he belonged to the true church, that the church Jeff was attending was not a true church. And, and Jeff was seriously consider, considering converting to this false religion. But then Jeff met a guy named Ken. Ken was a Christian pastor who was taking a six-month sabbatical and came to work at Jeff's firm. And, and I want to read Jeff's words. He wrote this out for me, and this is so powerful. Jeff said, over the next four months, Ken mentored me. He showed me how to read and study my Bible, how to pray for God's leading, and the deception of that false religion. How their God is not our God, their Jesus isn't our Jesus. And Ken turned me around, he restored my faith, and then one day, Ken just left. I've never seen or heard from Ken again. I looked him up on social media a few months ago with no success. Like Melchizedek, I'm not sure if he was a pastor or an angel or Jesus himself, but he blessed me and changed my life. And I think it turns out to be Jesus. That's just what I think, because this is what Jesus does. Have you ever been heading in the wrong direction? And all of a sudden, like Saul, something just knocks you to the ground. And your whole world is changed in an instant. And it turns out it's Jesus. We have connectors here today that will tell you that when the policeman was locking the cuffs around their wrists, it was like a light shining from heaven and knocking to the ground. And in the midst of the cursing and the swearing and the resisting the arrest, at some point they came to realize that this was the change they had to have. And it turned out that it's Jesus. Have you ever been so scared that you could hardly breathe? And then someone comes walking on the water to rescue you. Turns out that it's Jesus. We have connectors here today that will tell you that it was the cancer. It was the cancer that knocked them to the ground, that took their breath away, and everything changed. All of a sudden, they weren't trusting in themselves anymore. All of a sudden, money didn't matter so much anymore. All of a sudden, houses and cars and boats didn't matter. All that mattered was Jesus. And even the cancer was something Jesus could use to show up and bless and bring the bread and wine and heal and restore and set everything on course. Do you know this is what Jesus does? Happened to Abram. Happened to the woman at the well. It happened to Saul. Happened to Chris. Happened to Montana. Happened to Claudia. It happened to Jeff. Do you get the idea? Jesus shows up and you're never the same. And if I seem like I'm a little wound up today, I am. Because I can sense that Jesus is here right now. 
and he's showing up to change your life. If you need Jesus, if you need a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, it might just happen to you today. Would you put your things aside? I'd like to ask you to bow your heads, and we're going to pray together this morning. Jesus. Jesus, these stories in my mind are so vivid. And Jesus, I can see you talking to that woman at the well and the surprise on her face. Jesus, I can see you speaking to Saul. And in that breathless moment, he is realizing he's been so wrong. And you are changing the course of his life. Jesus, I can see you ministering to Abram those thousands of years ago, bringing the bread and the wine and the blessing. Jesus, you're just so good. And Jesus, today, I can sense you in this room. I can feel you in this room. I know today, Lord, that if we reach out, we can touch you. And I want to ask you, Jesus, in faith today, will you just come and bless us with your presence? Thank you, Jesus.